Welcome to the Fitness Business University podcast. This is Tom Langton. Um, I have a very special guest today and a very unique guest because you are the first guest we've had on the podcast that's not a gym owner. That's right. Today I have Dr. Justin Rabinowitz. Uh, Dr. Rabinowitz is the owner of Strive to Move. Um, talk a little bit about yourself. Talk, what is Strive to Move before we even get into it? What is yeah. Strive to Move? Well, so uh, my background is I'm a, I'm a chiropractor by trade, um, but most of and how we met was my background in strength and conditioning and how I've kind of melded the two to make our medical practice or movement practice, as a lot of people in our world might say. Um, but Strive to Move was created about four years ago. I've been in practice seven-ish years, and four years ago, I went out on my own, and now we have started with just me. We have four full-time staff, and we've grown our practice to become uh, one that's now in GFP and another location. So, you know, we help active adults and athletes get back to doing what they love. That's what we tell people. And, and as far as, you know, what GFP is, it's active adults and athletes. So it's a perfect fit, which I know we'll get into. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. Before we do, let's just talk, introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah. So that's your business, but how, how did you get into it? So talk to me about your yeah. background, like where, because you, 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 you haven't been, a, you, you, your career path shifted a little bit, right? Sure. So I was, um, I was a baseball player in college. Uh, prior to that, though, in high school, I actually broke my back playing football. So that started my journey through the medical system of like crappy care and not getting the right treatment and then them telling I could go back and play. And the classic story of someone that's been kind of recycled through. And so it was at that point I kind of realized there's something else out there for me that potentially the medical system may have failed me. And if I did get into it, that maybe I could do it a little bit differently so that other people didn't have the same experience as me. So baseball player through college. Um, finished playing baseball. And then at that point, I had a decision to make on what my next step was. And I always talked about it similar, I think, you. It was either I was going to be a coach and a teacher or I was going to do something in health and fitness. And so I chose the path of going to chiropractic school. Um, little did I know, going through school, um, the, the strength and conditioning side would start to rear its head. And that was when I started to combine the medical stuff with the movement, strength and conditioning. And that's where, how, what happened today was formed. And so when I got out of school, I worked in, in another friend of your guys, Eric Degatti, my first practice, or I worked in a practice that was in his gym. And throughout my entire seven or eight year career as a chiropractor, I've always had a relationship or been inside of some form of a gym, whether it was their gym, which was an FMS-based gym, or uh, I was in a CrossFit gym for a while. Now I'm within your guys' facility here. So at every step of the way, there hasn't been any time where I haven't been affiliated in some way with people in the fitness industry. And uh, you know, most of my friends are in the fitness industry. So I've seen this, this gym business every way, um, the good, the bad. I've seen gyms go in, in business out of business, expand business, and I've been within them, I've been consulting with them, I've done in-services, so I feel like I almost know that side of it more than I know even, you know, the, the medical business. That's awesome. But, but, so the first topic we have to talk about is, you know, we've talked about on the podcast before, but joint ventures, right? Yeah. So you sitting here as a joint venture, like you being, and I think you have a unique perspective on a joint venture, because one, you've, you're, you're part of a lot of joint ventures, but two, you can help other gym owners, like because we get approached. People that work in gyms and own gyms get approached by. We said the word charlatans before, but there's all these different kind of health practitioners out there now. Yeah, you know, functional medicine doctors, chiropractors, you name it. People trying to leverage our clients. Yeah, but then from the other side, you have unique perspective of a big part of your business is building these joint ventures. 
which is what a lot of gym owners want to do. So let's let's take that first part. So you know, we built a great relationship together, and, and we you know you help our, our members out a lot. What as a gym anybody listening that's a gym owner, what should they look for as far as someone like you, someone who is a medical professional that wants to come in? You know, how can we kind of sort through the bullshit like, yeah. without without you know you know without Sugar How do we sort through it? I mean, I think Vince talks about in Joint Ventures where I got it from that win, win, win. And when you think about bringing anyone in, if I'm a gym owner, what has to happen is it really truly needs to be that win, win, win. And I'll break that down. So if, a, let's just say Sally at your gym hurts her shoulder. So how do we create the win, win, win? So what's a gym owner's biggest concern? Um, losing clients right so as soon as sally hurts her shoulder she goes to the orthopedist she goes to the pt and you know take a month off and and take some anti-inflammatories and then we'll see what happens now you and i both know when that happens with sally she's not coming back most likely when she's out she's out you got you and i both also know that the worst thing that sally can do is not exercise She's still, if her right shoulder is the problem, she still has a left shoulder, she still has a core, she still has a cardiovascular system, she still has a lower body, and the worst thing that she can do is nothing. But the problem is a lot of times when they get outside of the walls of your gym and they go to somebody else, you don't know what's going to happen for better or for worse. So step one is if you have someone inside that's a medical professional hopefully we can keep them in the system. And why that's a win-win-win is because number one for the gym, you keep your client. You know, you don't, you don't have to go sit, get another client if you can keep the ones you've already got. So that's the win for you guys. For our business, obviously we think our specialty is helping active adults. Now Sally, she's an active adult who we feel like we can keep her in the gym and get her back to doing all of that type of stuff. Our background being in the strength and conditioning side, and, and you know, I would ask you that, you know, we understand what you guys do. We understand like the difference between, and gym owners take that for granted, but as a medical professional, we understand the difference between an upright row and a shoulder press and an FMS screen and a, you know, a Tabata and all the different things that is gym owner lingo that potentially medical professionals don't understand. So the fact that we understand that, we can have that conversation as a medical provider, we can help the gym owner keep that client involved. And so the gym owner wins, they keep their client. We win because we we get a patient that we can help. And then at the end of the day, the client wins because they're going to be able to continue to work out. They're going to heal from their injury and they don't have to go anywhere to do it. So it's not a game of telephone, right? Oh, the doctor said this and you're going to tell the trainer, but the message was probably lost somewhere in translation. We had a patient last week come to us from your gym and her biggest stress and anxiety was having to remember what she could and couldn't do. And so we took that off her hands. Like, don't worry about it. You go to the gym, we're gonna talk to Tom. He knows exactly what you should do. He knows the cues you should be using. He knows you know, what exercises are gonna help you and what's gonna hurt you. So now everyone benefits from that relationship. Now, so for gym owners out there, what should they look? Can you give any advice on what they should look for? Yeah, I, I mean, you kind of you, you definitely touched on it just now, but because like we said, we're approached all the time. We get an email a week from a health clinic or, like I said, a functional medicine doctor. Yeah. So what should people be looking out for as far as like what's bullshit and what's legit? I mean, I think I would say you know in my specific world in the musculoskeletal world, um, they that person has to truly understand. Like I could go and coach a class right now. In here and I'd be very comfortable doing it. 
Now, if you have people coming in on a medical side that just wants to sap poach your clients, most likely they just know that you have a good business and they want to come in. Now, I would hope that they truly understand the fitness side of it. So I think you uh, the put that, you know, if you put me on trial right now, I'd be very comfortable with talking the game that the fitness business with you um, and, and exercise progressions. Now, I know now my colleagues, not all of them can now. That doesn't mean that I'm the best. That doesn't mean, it just means that this is what I understand and know. Now, when you get into some of the other functional medicine and some of that type of things, that's where it becomes more of a, is there truly going to be a benefit for my clients and will they see value in this? And and that's when it comes more into trusting the, the person and the process. But as far as, you know, in my world of like a PT, chiro, acupuncture, my number one thing, the prerequisite, I think, for a gym owner is that they have to truly understand fitness. They have to have either been in a gym, most likely worked out, coached, done something to really do, you know, do the thing, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk and understand that they should be able to teach an in-service easily about to your trainers about that. So I would put them on trial in that, in that way and ask them what they know. Cause you would make sense that people that go to PT, Cairo, acupuncture school, massage, like they have a background in movement, like they should understand a deadlift. Um, you'd be shocked and in awe about how many have zero idea right. about any anything that you're doing in the gym. I think that the trust is a big part of it. Like you said before, is we've had PTs and other chiros tell our clients to stop training with us and to come work with them. And to me, it's like yeah. that is the worst thing that you could possibly if, if someone says that, that's like is that a red flag? I mean, because here's the truth. If, if I send a client to you, and you, at this point now, we've worked together for a couple of years. So if you told me this person shouldn't be trained. Yes. But in the beginning, if you would have told me that, sure. I'm, I'm, it would have been a little bit different, right? But it's pretty common in this field to, for people to do that. Huh? I think I think that's a huge thing. And, and I've actually – so people ask me a lot of times because we network with a lot of different gyms. And a lot of times what they'll ask us is – Oh, will you send us clients? Will you send us clients? And what I tell them, and I'm straight up with them, is I said, honestly, our business is built on the relationships we have with gyms. And in order for me, 85% of our clients come from a gym. And our job, I always tell them, is if we believe that's the right thing medically, we are going to send them and keep them where they are. If they like it and they're happy and we think we can develop that relationship with the coach and the trainer, we want to send that person back and keep them there. So we would never poach someone into our own thing or to somebody else. Like that's the, that talk about breaking or down a relationship. You know, that's the worst thing that you can do. And, and to your point, you know, we joke with our patients at this point, like if we're telling you not to exercise, you really shouldn't exercise. And, and we've talked about in our in-services before where we've gone, where we've struggled with patients usually, and I could think of one right off the top of my head early on here, um, she had inflammation in her shoulder and we wanted to keep her in the gym and it was a kind of, and she went and then going orthopedist and they said, you need a couple weeks off. And so we actually struggle usually with trying to keep people in too much rather than pulling them out. Now, most medical professionals, their first thing, the easiest thing to do is Tom, your hip hurts, you're done. Take two months off. That's easy. Usually when you stop doing it, of course, it's going to feel better. It'll feel better. Right. But then what happens when you go back in? Um, so like I said, we we're, we go the opposite way. And we always tell our patients, um, you know, we're not in the business of telling you what you can't do. We'd rather sit down and figure out what you can do. Right. Now, so you said something interesting. 85% of your business is through joint ventures. Yeah. And it's not just us. Like, you know, my feeling, you, you work with a lot of gyms in the area. Now, you work out of us. Yes. But you pull clients. 
you just actually trainers from other gyms yes. that come in here to get treated by you. Yes. Right? We understand that's part of the business. Yeah. So for everyone listening, how the hell do you do that? How do you so so less from the medical side, more from the business side of like how do you build these really strong joint ventures? Like what is the first step? Well, I think the first thing and the thing that I've always praised uh, Vince and you about and, and this is this is the truth that I've told other people is you guys I think are, are confident enough in what you guys do that you aren't threatened if I bring a trainer in as a patient into this gym or if I have a relationship with another gym because I think you guys are comfortable enough with what you do that yeah you trust me but you know that there's probably nothing that I'm going to do to really sabotage you guys because um, I have had experiences with other gym owners that they're very like territorial of like I don't want you to see someone here and I don't want you to do this and and, and usually we just say you know thanks and, and we try to help as much as we can but it becomes a challenge um, because if they think you know if any of the gym owners think that I'm going to try and like poach someone like if someone comes from down the street here at a gym to this facility i hope that they understand and if not i tell them like listen i'm going to treat them here but under no circumstance am i going to like promote them to gfp because i don't even think you guys would like they'd be like okay if he's going to do that with them what the hell is he going to do with the clients here right so i think that the biggest thing is is as a gym owner you really have to to your point trust the people that are within your facility and if you have any inkling that they're going to try to be pulling people or poaching people or moving people around, then they're probably not going to be a good fit for, for what you guys are doing. All that being said, the thing I think going back to with you and Vince more than anything is that I feel you guys have so much confidence and, and pride in what you do that I don't think it's ever in your thought of like, oh my God, he's talking to that. I don't think you worry about it, quite frankly. Like it doesn't, it never seemed to me like it was like a thing to you guys because you have enough to do here to focus on and not have to worry about it. So, so, Talk, talk me through how you build. So how did you initially approach Vince? How do you initially approach another gym owner? Because I think that's the hardest part of joint ventures. Like you look around, whatever town the listeners are in, there's a hundred businesses that you can, that yeah. you can join. Now for you, it's a, it's a unique thing. Like your market is gym owners, right? Yeah. But joint ventures can be with nail salons or sure. barbershops or whatever it is. But just give some advice on like, how do you go about building that relationship? Like what's the... The first thing you do is it an email, is it a cold call? So I think a good lesson here, um, Vince actually approached me, but the lesson is, is actually a really good one because, um, you know, I'm 33 years old. I had my practice for only three or four years, but because I knew this was the niche that I was in without any thoughts of ever being in Vince's gym, because truthfully, it was never a thought until he reached out to me. Um, I had been to one of Vince's business seminars because i wanted to learn from fitness businesses. I have gone to a lot of fitness-based seminars and we have a lot of mutual friends in the industry. And so when he approached me, it was actually probably seven or eight years of my work of just him knowing me from other people. And so I didn't approach him in that way. He knew me from someone, someone who trusted me, who wanted to, to bring it up. And this facility, the new facility at GFP, he, it, what it turned into was he basically had it on a piece of paper. He's like, here's what I'm thinking. I don't know if it's going to happen. Do you have any interest in it? So through my, I guess, knowing where my niche was, I never, it wasn't like, hey, Vince, let me come in. After years of just being around, taking his seminars, you know, knowing people that knew him, he approached me in that way. And that was a the thing. There, there was no, there was no, I was never like scheming to try and figure out how to get in here. It was just, I was doing what I thought was right and, and in the niche that I had built. 
and that eventually led me into this. So, you know, because there's a lot of sports medicine doctors that don't know sports and, and don't know lifting and don't know all that type of stuff. But for me, I've always just been in that that niche. I spend more time probably with fitness professionals than I do even my own profession. Gotcha. Let's get into the marketing stuff because um, I think this, you know, it's a huge topic we always talk about on the podcast. You actually, you introduced Paul Goff, right? Mm-hmm. Paul Goff, who's, if you, if you guys haven't listened and, and heard, we, we learn a lot of our stuff from Paul Goff. This is, you know, a student of his, as are you. Yes. And so the marketing approach for for your business is very similar to ours. Yeah. So dive into kind of what, what your marketing approach is, how you kind of, what, what is your strategy? And- yeah. Well, I think Paul 101 will always say marketing is nothing more than building trust. And so even in a, in a place like this where, you know, we've had patients that have come to us at our business from GFP. And the specific reason was because if Vince trusts you, I trust you. So talk about trust, right? That happens because people inherently trust what you guys do. And they know if you're bringing someone in here, they're, they're pretty damn good. So at the end of the day, all we're trying to do around here with the members at, at GFP is to establish that relationship and build trust. And we've tried a lot of different things. We've posted videos. We do a lot. But at the end of the day, a lot of it is, is us being present, us being in the facility and making sure that we're getting to know people before Enver comes to an injury. There's a guy, Ken, who I, I talked to him for, I think, 18 months, golf and life and kids. And I knew all about him. And then his hip hurt. Then he came into us. So trust, trust, trust. And, and then it, once you decide that that's the answer, then the tactics, you know, you can figure them out. One of the other things in my world about being present and building trust, you know, Lauren, we strategically put her in the lobby here on purpose, right? Why? Because when I first started, I wasn't very busy. So I would just sit in the lobby and I would talk to people and build that relationship. Then what happened? I got busy. So I was in this room and for hopefully four hours at a clip, nobody saw me. So out of sight, out of mind. And what I realized was that, especially in a place like this, where there is so much traffic walking through that it was always going to be up and down because when I got busy, no one was going to see me and then I wouldn't be around. And so when I wasn't busy, I could build more clients. So Lauren could sit back here where we are in an office to answer phones and do all that. But we strategically put her at the front so that she can talk to people. Oh, I've been meaning to talk to you. Oh, I saw Justin. I meant to say that to him. So, you know, Paul Oakham's razor, do the, you know, the simplest thing first. The simplest thing is to be present, be in the lobby, to be around people where they're catch them on the way in, catch them on the way out. I've been meaning to talk to you. I, I saw Justin. I've been meaning to email. And then they just see us and that's how we get them in, in the schedule. So I think all of the, you know, the high level techno tech marketing strategies, that's secondary to the primary. That's great. You talked about your team. You know, you have, a, you have so you have four full-time staff members. Now, this is without a doubt one of the biggest struggles that people have. And for you, it's probably even it's exacerbated a little bit in the sense that you're a medical professional. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about seeing patients and now all of a sudden you bring in, so now you have Ashton that works for you. Yeah. He's another Cairo, mm-hmm. right? How do you, number one, how do you find someone and how do you trust someone to do yeah. the good work? And then the second part of that, which I think is a bigger struggle, is like how do you get your patients to then buy in that seeing him is the same as seeing me. Yeah. Because I think this is where a lot of gym owners, especially those solopreneurs, which you were for a long time, yeah. where you see everybody, you know everybody's problems, and yeah. now as you grow, you run into that problem. But number one, finding good people. Number two, 
getting your patients to trust those people. So, so dive into the first, how, did you, how do you find your people? How do you find someone that's you? Yeah, I think the first thing is that um, the, the idea that everyone has the same problems, like I'm in, a, I'm in one of Paul's masterminds and he always says every, like there's only so many problems you can have in any business in the world, whether it's a fitness, medical, so that type of problem, it's not my, your business isn't different than mine. We all have the same issue that, that how do you transfer people? How do you get them to trust more than one person? How do you do all that type of things? But I think the first step for all of us is to realize that we're not as unique as we think we are and that we're probably not as good as we think we are. And what I've realized that there's a dentist around here who I went to um, locally and I had asked him, I said, um, you know, did you ever think about bringing anyone on at a successful practice? And he said, oh no, like everyone just wants to see me. And so I was thinking about that and, and I was trying to put myself in that situation. And, and what I came up with probably one time he had someone covering for him years ago and he had one client that said to him, oh no, we only want to see you. And now in his head, it's like, now nah, I can never do it. So he made one example make for, for everything. Now you and I both know whether it's medical, dentistry, law, Everyone, not everyone, many people bring other people on to do it successfully. So none of us can be that unique to think that we can't do it ourselves, right? So if we start there and know that it can be done, that can start to answer a lot of our questions. And just like Vince had to do it here, and for you, as you've been here just as long, you've had to do it, and you guys, you know, we've had a lot of good staff members here move on, and guess what? This place still exists, right? So we, we, we have to start there knowing that it's possible. Um, the biggest thing that, that Paul has taught me is, is in growing your team is you have to invest in them as people. And if they improve as people, they're going to help with the business side. So rather than the tactics of like, oh, well, I bring him in, I bring Aston in for treatment and I, I teach him my techniques and I do all this with him. The biggest thing is if the, if the patients like and trust me, I have to be able to transfer any of the learning and growing that I'm doing on my own to improve as a person. So hopefully that transfers to him and the rest of our staff. So the culture is, is the same. And at the end of the day, hope, the goal is not for them to see me and not for them to see Ashton. It's that the experience that we create with Lauren on the front end or Hannah doing marketing or Ashton or me, that it's they're coming to strive to move. Just like they're not coming to see Vince, they're coming to GFP. You know, they know that the people that you bring in here, they're going to trust. And once you build that level of trust with your clients, they're going to be, they're going to be okay. Not everyone, you know, there are going to be some that, nope, I'm only seeing you and we've had that, but that doesn't mean that that one person represents the whole thing. And I think that's where a lot of people get scared off the one really loud client. And they think that they represent everybody. Do you have any fear of training someone up, making them really, really good? Because in the fitness industry, it's big that and they leave and start their own business down the road and steal all your clients. Yeah, I have two thoughts on that. My first one is what is I forget who said it, but basically, you know, you have two options. You could John Maxwell, I think. Yeah, yeah, you could train them. You could train them, get them really smart, and they leave. Or the other option is to keep them stupid, basically, in so many words. Um, the other part I always think about is. If I have someone on staff and I train them and they leave and they put me out, then I probably didn't deserve to be in business anyway. Like if one person left and that caused me to completely lose my shirt, you know, again, if they're, 
if, if someone came in here and left and they were trying to literally sabotage me and they were, they were hurting and trying to hurt me and my family, that's one thing. But if someone comes here, learns, leaves on a good note, respectfully, and opens their own and they put me out of business, I don't think I should have been in business in the first place. You know, I just don't think that, you know, we live in, in New Jersey. There's a lot of freaking people here. There's way more people with back, knee, neck pain than I'm seeing right now. And so if Ashton left and opened up next door and he took every one of my patients, honestly, I probably shouldn't have been in business in the first place. That's just the way I think about it. I don't know if that's the right way to think about it or not, but I never really, I'm worried about that at all. And, and from day one with Ashton, I said like, you know, if you're gonna go, that's okay. Like, just, you know, let me know and I'll make sure that we do it the right way and, and just, don't be a, don't, basically don't be a dick. You know, like I was in the, oh, that situation too. I was at a practice and an associate and I told her I was leaving. I, I number one, I didn't solicit any of my, I, I, I did the right thing. I did what someone wanted to do. I moved a, a far enough away out of my contract. We have a, a non-compete. And then I, I didn't contact any of the patients, whether I could have or not. I just didn't do it. I built from zero. Now, you're a business owner and you're obviously growing your business. Now you have four employees, you know, you're in a couple locations. Yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about that because I think getting feedback from, you know, the, like you said, the problems are the same no matter what your business is. Yes. So a big issue is time management. So you're still seeing patients. Mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to train the, your team. You, have, you know, you're trying to manage your team. Yeah. You're also trying to grow your business. So, so, so how, do you manage, how, do you, how do you manage that? Plus, you're married, right? you're building a family. So how, how do you manage time? I think the biggest thing there is, and another Paul thing, does your calendar match your priorities, right? So... In our schedule right now, what are the things that are certainly blocked off for most people in my world as a, as a healthcare practitioner? The appointments. So patients, they come in appointment slots. So we know, I know that if I have a patient 9, 9, 30, 10, 10, 30, that I am blocked off and I'm treating patients. The problem is outside of that, most people don't schedule it. Right. And we talk to, I talk to my staff all the time. Like if we want to do this and if it's not on the schedule, it is not going to happen. So if it becomes like, hey, I'm going to meet with Hannah about marketing, if we have time on Tuesday, we'll meet, guess what? It's not going to happen. So one of the main things that we talk about is everything has to be scheduled. So on Tuesday at lunchtime, I meet with Ashton. We have a 30-minute meeting. On Wednesday, I meet with Hannah. We have an hour meeting. On Thursday, I meet with Lauren. And those are in the schedule. Now, if something has to come up, that, move, that meeting gets moved. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, 12 to 2 is our team meeting. Now... I've been in places before where you meet when you have time. Like you know, what happens when you never have time because someone calls the schedule, someone has to go home and walk the dog, someone has to go get lunch, someone leaves early that day. And so if it isn't blocked out in your schedule, it's not gonna happen. And so for me, same thing, like working on marketing right now, do I have a specific day time? Not always, and that's a problem. And so if it's not in your calendar, it most likely is not going to happen. That's, that's the biggest thing. Are you specifically blocking time out for all the tasks that you think have to happen? Next question I ask everybody, what, what do you read? What books? If you, if you had a book recommendation mm -hmm. that you could give to everyone listening, I and mean, you've listened to the podcast, you kind of know yeah. who our audience is. Yeah. One book recommendation and then... The second one would be what are you kind of what are you reading right now? So good question. Um, I'm rereading again on Vince's recommendation, uh, Zingerman's Guide to Leadership or whatever that book is. The red it's the red book binding cover. By Ari Ari yeah. Wise Wiser. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am reading Guide to Being a, a Better Leader. There now, what's interesting about that is I've actually already read it. 
And something that I realized about myself is we have like a little library in the office at my house. And there are times when I'll walk into the library and look at all these books because, you know, we all have tons of books. And if I look at a book and can't remember two to three main points from it, I probably didn't absorb anything from it. And even though I read it and can like write it on my Facebook page that I read this book, the hell did I get out of it? And so I actually read that book already. The problem was, and this goes into my next point of reading books, is that I think I read it three, four years ago when I was being a solo practitioner because I knew I was going to grow and I needed to lead, but a lot of the concepts weren't relevant for me at that time. It wasn't the main problem I was having. And so a lot of what I read then I forgot because it didn't really matter at that point. Now I'm going back through and a lot of the points now that I have a team to lead are much more relevant for me right now. So the biggest thing and, and the, the biggest thing I tell someone is almost an you know, another Paul thing is he never, he always says, someone asks me what book to read. The next question is what, what problem do you got? Right? So quick story about this. I don't know if you remember, Jeremy was my intern last year. And when yep. an intern comes on, I always give them a series of questions to figure out what they want to get out of it. And one of them is to rank what you want to learn here. Number one on his ranking was, was uh, social media mark and uh, social media and marketing strategy. And so when I read that, I said to him, hey, that's great that you want to learn social media and marketing. If I can just ask, what book are you reading right now? And he told me he was reading a Stu McGill book. And so I said to him, and he, and he really understood very quickly, he like laughed. And I said, if you truly want to learn social media and marketing, then any of the time that you're spending outside of like treating patients or in your internship should be around that specific topic. And it wasn't happening. And now he was a new graduate. And I thought, I said to him, I think you should be reading Stu McGill right now, not about social media and marketing. The problem though that you're going to have is, or that I would have, is at the end of your internship, when you didn't learn anything about social media and marketing, and I didn't teach you anything about it, you would be pissed and because you had the wrong expectations, right? So I think the biggest thing about reading books is to be trying to solve the problem that you're having, right? So, you know, one of the things I'm working with Ashton on, he from a medical and technical standpoint, he's outstanding. Um, but, you know, dealing with patients and clients is a different animal. And so understanding, you know, body language and empathy. And so we have a, we have a, uh, we, hey and I are both reading a book together right now on, it's called like Understanding Yourself. It's from Google about their leadership. And it's like about empathy training and things like that. And trying to understand clients and understand yourself a little bit better. But what's that book? Um, it's a Google book. It's it's book by Google. Yeah, uh, I had to check that. Yeah, I'll put it in the sh- I'll put it in the show notes. We'll yeah, figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. Put it in the show notes. But that's one that he and I are reading together because you know what problem do you got? We all got something that we're working on. You know, what if someone has kids and now they need to learn? Then you should read a book on parenting. But like for me right now, I don't not we're not pregnant and we're not having kids anytime soon, so that wouldn't be relevant to me. Um, so that's the biggest thing is I think we get caught up, especially with books. Cause it's like sexy. We always want to read the next book. Um, but I, I'm a big believer in making sure that you really think about what problems that you're having and then try to find something within that area. So for me right now, it's learning how to lead. And, you know, so I'm reading that book and I also just, I have also, I also like reading a lot of books like coaching books. So I've read Nick Saban and Belichick and a lot of that stuff. Cause it is just straight up leadership. And so, you know, that stuff's entertaining and I like it, but it also helps me in the problem that I've got right now. That's awesome. Uh, one of the most important questions we can ask you is what's the best Rocky movie out of the, well, there's seven of them now. What's the best one? Um, Drago. Drago, you Rocky Ford, yeah. Yeah, I like right. Drago. All right. 
Last, any, any, any words of wisdom you can leave to, to everybody listening out there? We'll close on that. What's one piece of advice or something? You know, whether it's about joint ventures, whether about team building, anything off the top of your head. I think leaving um, people that are gym owners that start to have staff is it, investing in your people. But if they become better people, they'll become better for your business and it'll help the bottom line. So the more they understand themselves, the better their relationships are even outside of the gym. It's going to affect people in the gym and you know at our at our practice we do you know appreciations and gratitude during our meetings and you know the one and it was it was it was a god's honest truth the one week my appreciation was actually for all of our staff's spouses because uh, you've probably seen it here i mean i know from you know other people experience that when you have a spouse or family that pulls you away and doesn't let you do your job it affects what you do you know if, if our staff has to stay late or work a weekend like we've never had any pushback from like oh my wife says i have to be home or they get it and um i think that and again we as a business owner gym owner it doesn't mean you're going to like do relationship counseling but just the idea that if you can help people in their life and understand themselves and and, and have more accountability that it can't do anything but help your business so you know we could go over deadlifting and all this type of stuff but it, at the end of the day if we have better people they're going to figure all that stuff out that's awesome, man. If, if people want to learn more about you and learn more about Strive to Move, what's the best way? Yeah, so uh, we have our Facebook and Instagram. We're pretty active. So that's Strive, the number two, and then Move. Um, and then if anyone wants to talk to me specifically, uh, drjustin at strivetomove.com. Awesome. Dr. Justin, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Do me a favor and click subscribe. And if you can, leave a review. Whatever you think about us, let us know. We want to make this show better. But by, by subscribing to the podcast, you get updated every time a new show comes out. And by leaving a review, you help us make this show better. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.